0: Okay, I'm glad you're here. Hope everyone had a, a great Pesach, and um, I, I want to share with you. Uh, I I don't know if you call it a discovery. Uh, it, it says uh, in 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 Pirkei Avos, in in uh, the teachings of our fathers. And I heard, by the way, Reb Shlomo describe describe it in this way. What is what is Pirkei Avos? It's 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 a collection of. Um, of sayings, of, of teachings from from the sages. And but, but Reb Shlomo added like one more extra point which kind of kind of brings the, the whole um, idea of this to life, which is that he says that the each sage said the words that they couldn't live without. So it's not just um, these are not just it's not just advice and it's not just wisdom, but this is coming from a place where each each sage is telling you what got them through life. And so that's, that's a very big deal. It gives a, a sense of um, urgency um, to, to all, of, all of the words that, that you may not um, detect just on a, on a first glance level. Um, and so it says in Perkei Avos that, that you should turn the Torah over and over again, because everything is contained within it. And um, I had one of these moments where it's 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 always true, but you know every once in a while you you notice something and then you go, wow, it's really true. Everything is in the Torah, everything. And so I want to share with you just uh, just sort of like the, this latest kind of um, you know glimpse into the Torah's uh, infinity. You know, uh, I, I like to describe the Torah as the the infinite compressed into the finite, and it's just it's. Um, it, that always seems to be uh, constantly being uh, validated uh, again and again. So, so here, here it is. Um, I, I was lying in bed uh, for, for some reason, just kind of just picturing the gematria of the word Mashiach. Um, why, I'm not sure. But there I was kind of just kind of seeing the numbers 358 and which is the Gamachi of Mashiach, 358. And so as I was looking at the numbers, um, I noticed that 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 the sequence three, three five, eight, 358 358 358 is um, 3 plus 5 equals 8. And then I remembered from a school or earlier, um, I'm not sure when I learned this, but this is called a Fibonacci sequence. And um, Fibonacci was a, uh, a a great mathematician, and he came up with this sequence, um, and it's it's what it is is that if you add the first number with the second number, it equals the third number. If you add the second number with the third number, it equals the fourth number. If you add the third number and the fourth number, it equals the fifth number, and on and on and on and on and on and on and on, and there are all sorts of amazing properties to this and actually they found it someone um gave me this book called the golden ratio which um ties into the fibonacci sequence by mario livio uh, i haven't had a chance to read it yet but i've just flipped through it it looks like a, a really a fascinating book and they've found the that the this fibonacci sequence actually exists in nature in all sorts of amazing ways like for instance in um in in the the way spiral galaxies unfold, the proportionality of, of galaxies in seashells, in pine cones, they they found this Fibonacci sequence um, all over nature, and so it's really it's quite it's quite uh, amazing. So so why then? What's the relationship with the Fibonacci sequence in Mashiach? But before I, I tell you that, just the fact that again. The gematria of Mashiach is three hundred and fifty-eight, and three plus five equals eight. But I was discussing this with my my nephew um, uh, over Pesach, Jacob Laufer, and we had been discussing Atbash, which is uh, another system of gematria that the the, the Gemara describes. Um, and just to review very quickly, what Atbash is is it's um, it's just another tool that the sages um, have found to explore really the infinite levels of, of meaning contained within the Torah, and and the way it works is since there are two twenty-two letters of the Aleph base of the of the of the Hebrew alphabet, and remember keep in mind that our, our our mystical tradition is that God looked into like created the world out of the Hebrew letters, so so that's a, an amazing thing, and and what does that mean? I always want to. Explain that a little bit further. What does it mean that God created the world with the Hebrew letters? It doesn't mean that He took an Aleph and hammered it against a Dalit and made, you know, Detroit. You know, that's that. That's not. That's not what we're talking about. I. I, I think as, as far as I understand, the 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 Aleph Bays, each of the letters stands for different energy wavelengths, basically, and God combined these different energies in a very precise way and. And brought the world into existence, so you have to really think of it on the on the level of physics, really, you know. But anyway, um, and that's the vocabulary that the that the sages used. You know, you can see the most advanced thinking, um, you know, among the among the sages. And we're talking about when I'm talking about I'm talking about cosmology. I'm talking about quantum physics. I'm talking about amazing, amazing, high-level, amazing thoughts, but the vocabulary that they had to express it in is not as precise or as sophisticated as our present-day vocabulary. And so even though they were talking about like energies and wavelengths and, and, and everything like that, they put it in a very simple way, the olive base. But you have to understand what the Torah is saying in order to... See, this is the difference between... This is the difference between someone who understands and someone who doesn't understand. Someone who doesn't understand looks at the most superficial... Uh, levels and and rejects them without understanding that that earlier generations had access to tremendous things. Remember, they had prophecy. We don't have prophecy anymore. Imagine what prophecy is. That's that's God Himself communicating information to you that you would never know. You would never know. How could we ever possibly know that that it's a problem to and again, on a mystical level or on a cosmic level, in a way that's dealing with sort of the DNA of reality that we, that we can't grasp, that it's a problem to mix wool and linen in the same garment. It, you can live a million years and you'll never have that thought. You, you will never understand that. that. That came through prophecy. That's God telling us how the world works and that if we want to create harmony in the world with each other, with with all the nations of the world, with, with us in God, with, with us in nature, with all of these things, then he gives us the tools. That's what the mitzvot are. They're the tools to create peace and harmony and completion in the world. That's what we're doing. We're completing the world through the performance of mitzvot. But you can't know these things on your own. It comes through prophecy. And again, we don't have prophecy today. So I'm bringing this to tell you that the ancients knew a lot but they didn't have the vocabulary, the contemporary vocabulary to express it in. And I always like to, I always like to, um, to uh, you know, let me just say one more thing about Scientology, okay? Scientology is this splinter, um, you know, I, I don't even know if you can call it a theology, but, but, but anyway. The, the L. Ron Hubbard, who a, was a science fiction writer, contemporary science fiction writer, came up with an origin for humanity. What happened billions of years ago in, in outer space, and these, you know, this whole kind of mythology that he made up out of his own head. And you can't know that unless you are a prophet. You must be a prophet to have access to those levels of information. And there is no prophecy anymore. We don't have prophecy anymore. So in other words, you, you, you can, if you want to be incredibly sympathetic, you might say, well, you know, maybe he knows. No, no, you cannot. Know. Just like you cannot know not to mix wool and linen without understanding that from, from the creator of the universe himself, you can't know what 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 you know warlords were battling with each other and throwing souls into volcanoes billions of years ago unless you are a prophet and he was not a prophet you know so so it's 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 instructive to know that there's certain as certain levels of information that that you need prophecy for and and our tradition we are prophet we are the children of prophets and and our our whole Messorah, our whole tradition comes from prophecy. So it's 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 something that's beyond, you know? Um and I want to say one more thing again, so that we should respect the ancients. It doesn't mean that everything that they said, you know, is necessarily current, because even a lot of the science in the Gomorrah, they say, well, they just it doesn't apply for today. Okay? So so it's it's just they say that the Teva, the nature of the world, especially with the destruction of the holy temples and things like this, that the, 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 the nature of the world shifted and it doesn't apply today. So, so you can't just blindly take everything, oh, well, an, that's from an ancient source, therefore they knew something. No, you, 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 have to, you, you have to be sophisticated. You have to have a rab, you have to know how to learn, and you have to know what, what, what we accept and what we don't accept. But all this information is available if someone is serious and they want to learn. Okay, now one, one last thing, which is, which is a teaching from Rabbi Nathman, which um, I always like, which is he said that people have been struggling, that the, that the three hardest forces... Again, I'm, I'm offering this to you so that you have a, an appreciation that human beings have always been human beings, okay? That the three hardest forces to master are food, sex, and money, okay? And that, basically, we've been battling these forces, you know, since the beginning. So, when you realize that, that you say, okay, well, now I'm wearing wearing this type of... I don't wear a toga, right? So, you know, I'm wearing blue jeans. So, that means I must be radically smarter than a guy who wore a toga, because, you know, I have pants on, you know? So... But then you say, well, wait a second, and I've got, you know, Internet, you know. But at the same time, you say, well, wait a second, I'm battling food, sex, and money, and he was battling food, sex, and money. <laughs> so what's the difference between me and him? There's no difference. There's no difference. So, so you realize human beings have always been human beings, you know. So, so anyway, it's just to make... All of this is just to make... Um, the knowledge of the, of, of the Torah just to contemporize it. I'm, I'm saying this so you, so you should understand how contemporary all these thoughts are. Okay, so now let's get back to the Fibonacci sequence. Okay, so Atbash is another tool in order to mine the infinity of the Torah. So how does it work? So there's 22 le- letters of the, of the Aleph base, of the alphabet, And as we said, our mystical tradition is God created the world with the Hebrew letters, okay? These are different energies that God combined to make physical reality, to take that spectrum from light to materiality and to compress light into into this realm that that we exist in. So you've got 22 letters, so you you, you line up 11 letters across in in one strip, right? And then underneath you put the next 11 letters. So you have two rows on top of each other of 11 letters. And then you line them up in such a way that the first letter of the alphabet is over the last letter of the alphabet. So for instance, so it would be like, if you want to think of it in English, the letter A would be over the letter letter Z, right? And the letter B would be over the letter Y. Okay, but in Hebrew it, we call it atbash. The letter aleph is over tough, the letter beis is over shin, and that's what it is. And so you can exchange these letters, meaning to say you can you can take a, a word that's spelled with an aleph and you can put a tav there, and now all of a sudden it, it starts to become a different word. And and the classic example, or you do the entire word like that, or you do the so so let me give you an example of this just so you should see. How our, our great ones have utilized this this, this methodology, and the, my favorite example is from the Balaturim, who is one of the greatest, um, you know, uh, uh, greatest of the Rishonim. Um, his he's his commentaries are are, are included in, in the Mikros Kodolos, which is you know the sort of compendium of you know classic classic commentators. And, um, and his specialty, really, uh, the Baloturums was looking into the, as I said, the, the Torah is the infinite compressed into the finite. That means it's functioning on so many different levels, including the mathematical. So he was the, really the master of the mathematical um, approach to understanding the text. Okay, So he said, these are his words, look at the word Katoris. Kataris is a a Hebrew word which means incense. And the incense offering was very great. It was the most spiritual of the uh, offerings in the Holy Temple. And um, part of its greatness uh, derives from the fact that in, uh, in, in, in the whole incident of the eating from the Tree of Knowledge with Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, it says all of the senses were damaged except one, the sense of smell. If you look at the analysis at the at the way the Torah describes the incident they held the fruit that's touch they listened to the snake that's that's hearing they tasted the fruit that's that's taste right they saw the fruit and commented on the way it looked that's the eyes right so everything was affected and damaged except the sense of smell doesn't say anything about the sense of smell so the Ktarus interestingly that sense of smell, which is really, remember, God blew our soul into our body through our nose, right? That's why I think I heard when I was a kid, when someone sneezes, you say, God bless you, because the superstitious kind of fear was that you would, you would blow your soul out of your body, right? So you needed at that point a big blessing to keep on living, you know? That, so, but the, in other words, this idea was, has been very rooted in our consciousness, that our soul came in through our nose. And that, by the way, you should know that there, there is something to this idea of saying God bless you. Not, not the sneezing aspect, but just to put it in a more Torah framework. The Ramah um, says that the blessing that we make when, after we go to the bathroom is... Um, you know, we, 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 we thank God that, that, that our body is, is functioning well and, and, and taking a moment to appreciate that if we weren't able to, to do what we do after we eat, that, that basically at a certain point we'd die, you know, bottom line. So, so we're thanking God for allowing our body to work the way it does. But the, 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 the final blessing is we say, Baruch Hashem, Rofei kol basar umafli Blessed are you Hashem who heals all flesh and acts wondrously. So what is the wondrous aspect of, of, of this blessing that, 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 that God is giving us? And the Ramah points out the fact that we have holes in our body. Like, for instance, our ears, right? Our nose, our mouth. And that our soul doesn't fly out of our bodies. <laughs> that the, this wondrous state and and I'll give you a piece of imagery, um, just so you understand what the Ramah is saying. If you were to blow into a balloon and not tie the end, and then just put the balloon down, what would happen? The air would go out of the balloon. If you did it a hundred times, the air would go out of the balloon a hundred times. <laughs> if you did it a thousand times, the air would go out of the balloon a thousand times. Right? But what happens, can you imagine, you blow the air into the balloon, and the air doesn't leave the balloon, even though it's not tight. This is what the Ramah is saying, is the balance between the soul and the body. The The soul should be flying out. There's so many openings for the, for the soul to fly out. And God allows the soul to remain within the body. This is wondrous. This is wondrous, right? So, So... So again, uh, the idea is that the that that the nose was the the sense of smell was the only one that's that wasn't damaged, okay? And that the the nose is the most spiritual of the of maybe for this reason, or because it's tied to the soul, because God put our souls through in through our noses initially. If you look at the creation account in in in, Brachis, in Genesis, you'll see God blew the soul into man and. That's where he did it. It says through the nose. Anyway, um, just one more point. When the kohen gadol, when the high priest, would go into the holy of holies, which was just a once a year occurrence, he would go in, and what would he? What offering would he bring in the holy of holies? An incense offering. Okay. Again, so you, you you would imagine whatever he's bringing. If that's what he's bringing on Yom Kippur when he's only going once a year into the Holy of Holies, whatever he's offering must be the highest offering, right? And it was the incense offering, which is something that, you know, you smell. That's 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 the way it is. So these are just uh, small ideas to introduce this idea of the balatorim, which is if you take the word for incense, so now incense, kitaris is touching on all these aspects, right? Um, he says that if you, if you, do an atbash, remember this letter of exchange, right? You you take the letter kuf of Kittaris, that's the first letter, and you exchange it, so kuf is the fourth to last letter uh, of the Aleph base, so you want to exchange it for the fourth letter of the Aleph base, right? That's how it works. So kuf becomes dalit. Now let me just throw in one more thing. I, whenever I Say this over. I always have to share this, this because I love it. I was driving one time, and I was you know just thinking about this and the the where this system is in uh, where atbash is explained in the Gomorrah is in Gomorrah Shabbos on on Da'af on page Kuf Dalit. So Kuf Dalit is itself an atbash, and that's where it explains atbash. And so, as I was realizing that and driving, I had to s- stop myself from steering into oncoming cars. You know, <laughs> but uh, anyway. So anyway. Uh, so so the Balatorim says if you take the word Katoris and you take the first letter Katoris a Kuf and exchange it for its Atbash equivalent, which is a Dalid, and now you take the gamatria of this word, meaning Katoris with a Dalid instead of a Kuf. The gamatria, the numerical equivalent of this new formation, is 613. So, in terms of... The, the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm taking time to explain this is because, to me, this is such a radical methodology. Look what he's done. He hasn't taken the entire word and turned it into an atbash. He just took one letter of the word, and atbash, that one letter, and then didn't say, okay, now here's the new word. Now he took the gematria, the numerical equivalent of this new word, and came up with this number. Now, if you start to think of the, all the different permutations of what you could do with the entire Torah when you start to apply this level of analysis or methodology, you understand what I'm saying, or what the sages are saying, that the Torah is the infinite compressed into the finite. That you turn the Torah over and over and over and over again, and you'll never stop finding things. Because there are so many, there are literally infinite levels. I saw, you know, if you drink uh, Snapple, right? So if you you, uh, take off the lid of Snapple, uh, caps. They have like a, a like a, a fun fact on the lid. So I, I I I saw one yesterday, and the question was how many ways are there, how many different ways are there to make change of a dollar? So you would say well a hundred pennies that would be one way, ten dimes that would be another way, four quarters that would be another way. Well, maybe two fifty cent pieces that would be. Another way? I mean, I feel like we're starting to run out, right? So they said 238 or 239 different ways to make change of a dollar. All right? Now, let's think about the Torah for a moment. (laughs) How many words are there? There, Well, we know that our tradition is there's 600,000 letters in the Torah, right? How many? With every bit of a combination, ah, right? Your head will explode. And this is just one form of analysis. Do you know how many different forms there are of textual analysis? Atbash is one form. Okay, so, you know, okay, so now let's get back to Fibonacci. So, so we, have, we have the gematria of Mashiach, the, 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 the mathematical wavelength of the word Mashiach is 358. So three plus five equals eight. That's a Fibonacci sequence. And again, that's found throughout all of nature, in seashells and spiral galaxies and pine cones and all sorts of things, okay? So I was saying to my nephew, to Jacob Laffer, I said, we were talking about Atbash, and then he said, what do you think the, At- the gematria of Mashiach is in Atbash? So we did it, and the answer is 112. So he said, oh... 1, 1, 2. That's another Fibonacci sequence. Because 1 plus 1 equals 2. But then it's even better than that because that's the first part of the Fibonacci sequence, which is 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8. Remember, you you add up the first two numbers, and it equals the third. You add the second two numbers, and it equals the fourth. You add, you know, 3 and 4, it equals the fifth. So so the the Gematria the Atbash of Mashiach and and Mashiach together are the perfect Fibonacci sequence 1 1 2 3 5 8 if you go on Wikipedia or whatever it is you'll see there it is 1 1 2 3 5 8 that's that's the Fibonacci sequence and it keeps on going it keeps on going and actually in fairness it starts with the number 0 as well and so so now we have to get back to the point which is what does this have to? Okay, so that's cool. Wow. Well, yeah. So yeah, you say that the Fibonacci sequence is found in nature and Mashiach, like you know, as, as 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 I think it's absolutely necessary to to point out. It's it's like, you know, if I could run up and down the streets of the world screaming this out, you know, I I would. I I really would because I think that I I. I I say it again and again, you can't understand your own life and you can't understand the world that you're living in unless you understand this teaching. And it's not my thought, this is from the Medrash, okay? Um, this, is, this is an ancient thought. The, the, the sages have been telling us this from the beginning. The world is evolving. We're in the middle. There is an unfolding reality. The world is progressing toward completion, toward perfection. We're here, that's why we're here. We're here because God has made us partners with him in terms of finishing the world. That's why we're here. That's what this whole thing is about. That's what this whole thing is about. So so you see this, you see that that's the fabric of creation. You see that's the nature of the world, that it's evolving toward something bigger. So now, with that in mind, doesn't it make sense that the word for Mashiach, which means completion. That means, I mean, that's not what it literally means, but that's, that's what it does mean. It means the completion of the world. That, that Mashiach would be in a Fibonacci sequence because the whole idea of the Fibonacci sequence is that you add and you add and you add and it keeps on getting bigger and bigger and progressing. And interestingly... This sequence starts with the number one, because who is one? God is one. And it culminates in the number eight, which we know eight represents lamala minateva, that which is above nature, that which is beyond, right? Getting beyond this present state that we're in. Beyond. Okay? But it's more than that. It's more than that. So... So I heard from Rabbi Simcha Weinberg in the name of the Shemishmo, uh one of the great Hasidic masters. He was the grandson of the Kotzka Rebbe. And, um, and he said that, that when Mashiach comes, that, that it's going to be built on the merits of all of the previous generations. So, so in other words, there's this, 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 this ongoing tally that's taking place, where everyone's deeds are counted from the very, the very beginning. No one's no one's deeds have been lost from the beginning of time, and 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 all of our merit is is compiling and it's compiling and it's compiling. Okay, and and so this is a very important piece of information, because a person can look at the world and say that the world is very far away from Mashiach, very far away from completion. And yet, when you realize that it's not necessarily contingent on that, if you understand that that what's going to bring it is there's this cumulative account that's coming. And like the Rambam says, that each person has to look at the world like it's a balanced scale and that one good deed that you do can tip the entire world to the, scale, to the side of merit. So now you can see this Rambam in a completely different light because you understand that, wow, like the Shemishmul saying, like the Fibonacci sequence of Mashiach is telling us on a mathematical level that there's this cumulative, ongoing thing going on and that really anything that I do could really scale. Tip the entire world to the side of merit, then that's an incredibly empowering piece of information. And I heard Rabbi Shlomo say this with my own ears several times, several times, the following thought, which is, he said, who knows whose prayer will bring Mashiach? And then he said this point several times I heard him. How do you know it's not going to be the prayer of a drunken person lying in the gutter? I heard him say that several times. So you don't know. You don't know. And it says in Pirkei Abos that every single person has their moment. Every single person. And you know, sometimes you can look at someone and go, you can be condescending or you can be arrogant. You can look at a person and say, oh, what does that person have to offer me? Or what does that person have to offer the world? God forbid you can look at another person with these eyes. But if you remember the Torah that we just learned together a moment ago, how about this? How about the fact that that person's mitzvah could actually complete the entire history of creation? (laughs) How about that? Is that enough for you? That that person can bring Mashiach? Is that enough for you? To give that person some, some, some worthiness in your eyes? Because it's true, because if there is this cumulative impact, who knows whose deed is going to do it? <clears throat> who knows? And you know, the funny thing is, I don't even know if we'll know who it is. Like for instance, like if it were me, and I gave, I don't know, I, let's say I gave someone a, a dollar or something. And then all of a sudden I heard a great chauffeur blast. I don't know that I would connect those two things. (laughs) But who knows, right? Who knows? Um, Okay. So now, I want to make it more personal. Uh, It it says in Pirkei Avos... in, uh, it's in, in chapter 2. So, so it says that uh, in, in Mishnah number 10, chapter 2, Mishnah 10, it says, uh, Rabbi uh, Yochanan ben Zakkai had five primary disciples, and um, he lists them, and each, each one of them says over, which is the great path that a person, that a person should try to follow. Okay, what great kind of like single attribute should you really strive to master, okay? So each one gives a, a different a, a different one, and again, remember what Rev Shlomo said. Each one is telling you what really drove them. like they're really speaking from their from their kishkas, from their insights right now, you know. They're not just kind of speculating or philosophizing. They're really telling you what got them through, okay? So it says, Rabbi Eliezer said a good eye. Rabbi Yehoshua says a good friend. Rabbi Yossi says a good neighbor. And by the way, we have to say just another Torah from Rabbi Shlomo. When it says, love your neighbor as yourself. So Rabbi Shlomo says, who's your neighbor? The, the, The person standing next to you. Whoever that person is standing next to you, that's 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 your neighbor. So you've got to love them like you love yourself. Okay? So Rabbi Yossi says a good neighbor. Rabbi Shimon says, one who considers the outcome of a deed. Right? That's that's very deep because it's sort of like you want to be with someone who is not just like completely impetuous and doesn't think about the consequences of their own actions. Okay. Uh, Rabbi Elazar says, a good heart. A lave tove. All right, and and by the way, you know it's very deep because right now we're in the Sfira period. We're in that road right now between Pesach and 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 and, and there's forty nine days of the sphere. and that can be divided up into seventeen and thirty two. Right, seventeen plus thirty two um, equals forty nine. Is that right? Yeah, so 17 is the gematria for the word Tov, and 32 is the gematria for the word Heart. So a good heart. In other words, if you if you want to acquire the Torah, this 49 can be broken down to 17 and 32 to a good heart, a lev Tov. So so Rabbi Elazar says a good heart. Okay, and then. Uh, Rabbi Yo- Yochanan ben Zakkai, their their teacher, says that I say that Rabbi Elazar, what what he says, a good heart is the is the right answer because all the other things are contained within that. A good eye, a good neighbor, a good friend, thinking about what you're going to do before you uh, before you before you act. All those different things are all contained within. A good heart. So, so strive to have a good heart. Okay. Now, now, one of the things, just to, I want to go further into this thought. Okay, but just as an aside, one of the beauties of Torah, and um, sometimes people get very frustrated by this, um, but it's um, it's 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 very wonderful actually. Is that the Torah is very, very precise. It doesn't it doesn't leave itself off on generalities. It tells you what X means and it breaks down X into sometimes much more detail than you care to <laughs> go into or care to try to master. But it's I, you know just one example that i 'll give you is that it says in the Psalms of David that I want to praise Hashem with a full mouth okay, so this is sounds like a very poetic concept, like i have a, a my my mouth should be full of praise, right Okay, I get that that sounds good, right? But one of the things that they learn from that is don't say a blessing if you have food in your mouth <laughs> because if you have food in your mouth then your mouth is not full of praise. It's, it's, it's part praise, part chewed hot dog. <laughs> so you want it to be full of praise. Now that, uh, what I love about that as an example, as a, just like a small case study, is it shows you like how we take an idea which sounds very lofty and poetic, but then we actually apply some precision to it and how do actually realize it in our own lives? This is this is, and the Torah is this is one of a, of a zillion examples in Torah, of this type of thing. Okay, so now, a good heart. What could be more vague than a than a good heart? You know, because you know, as 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 Hashem says to Lavan when Lavan is about to try to seize Yaakov, when Yaakov is finally getting out of there after, you know, years of hell, basically, you know. God says to Lovin in a dream, don't say anything good to him and don't say anything bad to him. And the commentators explain because what's good for a Russia for a wicked person, is bad for a tzaddik, right? And what's bad for a, 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 a rasha is... Is good for a tzaddik. <laughs> you know, it's the it's the opposite. So 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 what's good for me is bad for you, and what's bad for me is good for you. So you know, once you get into um, r- r- moral relativism, as as you know the fancy people call it, you know, it it, it starts to get very very tricky. You know, but Torah, we say Torah to emet, meaning the Torah is truth. It's 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 objective truth. It's not oh, it's whatever I decide today based on how I'm feeling. And that's part of its glory, that there actually is this fixed notion of truth. And that's actually very liberating. That actually gives us freedom from our own neurosis because we're constantly thinking, well, is this the right thing? Is that the right thing? You know what? Ask someone. There is an answer to your question. It's, it's not like uh, there's, you can drive yourself crazy, but you don't have to. Because there is an answer to your question. Just ask someone. Um, so now, if you... So, so uh, Rabbi Elazar ben Arach says, A good heart. Now, what I noticed is, if you continue on in this page, in Pirkei Avos, they, they seem to sort of like change the subject slightly, but then they get back to it. And they say, teachings from each of the sages that were just mentioned, in their name. Now remember, let's go back to our cloud, to our foundation from Reb Shlomo, that each sage is telling you the words that they lived by. All right. So now we go through these five disciples and we find out what their a more detailed version of their kind of their vision of life and, and their philosophy of life and what got them through, their guiding principles were. And then when we get to Mishnah number 19 in in chapter 2, we find out what Rebbe Lazar's three principles are. And so just kind of doing some simple math, I said, wow, those three principles are probably explaining how to have a good heart. Right, because if he boiled it down to a lave tove, and now he's going to give you a more expanded version of how he got through life, well, how did he get through life? With a good heart. Now he's going to give you some more teachings. This must be the formula for how to have a good heart. All right, so that's, my, that's me talking, that's my analysis, but it makes sense to me. You know? So, I don't think I'm saying anything... Uh, I don't think I'm saying anything, uh, you know, speculative here. I mean, it's my opinion, I'm telling you. But I think it makes sense. Okay. So, what does he say? So now, I mean, how exciting is this, right? We're going to find out. How can you have a good heart? I mean, who we're being told that this is the greatest thing that you can possibly have, is a good heart. So, so, Okay. Rabbi Lazar says, be diligent in the study of Torah and know what to answer a heretic. That's that's number one. He's going to give you three things. Be diligent in the study of Torah. That means that you have to set a set time. Okay? That's, That's what diligent means. Okay? If you're on the level of learning once a week, you have to have your once a week Seder and you have to keep it. You have to make your plan. Once a week, this is my appointment and you have to keep it. If you're on the level, hopefully, of learning more than once a week, like maybe once a day, right, even if it's just five minutes, even if it's just really two minutes, it's very good to have every day to learn. In, In fact, I would say it's essential to try to learn every day. And by the way, there are all these wonderful books out right now. Like, there's a whole shelf load of books right now, which have torahs that in in one paragraph forms or sometimes two line forms and these the, the, the people who have edited these things have done a masterful job and in those two lines you can get a big thought that you can think about all day and i'm telling you it will literally take you seconds to read but you will get a dose of torah that that will that will keep you focused and keep your 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 your, your head screwed on right so, so, but whatever it is, whatever level you're holding at, you have to be diligent in that. And by the way, it says in Gemara Shabbos that one of the questions that each person is asked when they leave this world is, "Did you make a set time to learn Torah?" So it's very important. This is this is something that's going to have lasting lasting repercussions on our own souls, our 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 relationship with Torah study. Okay. But, but if you 're diligent it doesn 't really matter at this point how much you're learning it 's that that you 're making an active effort to make an appointment to learn that 's more important initially, and then the rest will grow uh, accordingly but first you have to you have to dig the foundation otherwise the building doesn 't go up okay and Then it says know what to answer a heretic okay who is the greatest heretic in the world you <laughs> Me, your own Sahara is the greatest heretic in the entire world. We're not talking about Bill Maher right now, you know. You, know. you, right, you know, right? Can you imagine if, if the world heard what you actually think? Like, you'd be like chased out of town. Like, you think this Dohini meats thing is a big deal? Like, they'd take a stick and kick down your door and get out of here. Right? So, so, so the, you have to know how to answer your own Yitzhakara. Right? And this is a, your own negative inclination. And this is a, something that's a, a, a lifetime uh, activity. Because remember, this heretic, which is inside all of us, is an angel. It works for God. It works for God. And it knows us better than we know ourselves. Because it's an angel. Okay? And as soon as you learn one of its tricks, it's supernatural. It, it will find a new trick. So it never... It, and the idea of slaying your Yetzirah, you know what? Good luck. Good luck. You know what? Good luck. Please consider yourself to be not in the category of a person who can do it. You'll have much more success... Than to think that you oh yeah guess what wish me a mazel tov you got married no you had a kid no I slew my ape Sahara. I mean please please all right come on just join us back in reality again okay you know so and 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 it's like it's like if you slew if you think that you Slew your yetsahara, killed it, or think that you are capable of killing your yetsahara. Do you know where that thought comes from? The yetsahara. <laughs> you are. <laughs> you yourself are like being manipulated as you think you are the master. So you know. Let's just be real, all right? So so. You know if and again if you. You know, what I'm talking about, you know, we're, we're saying it in a humorous way, but there's nothing funny about this. Um, it, the, it says it, in Pirkei it talks about one of the elder Klingadals who like at 80 became a heretic. Right? So it's like that's that should give everyone like some serious pause. I remember when I first started becoming observant, I... I I was in shul and I saw this old man and I, he I, was, you know, there was nothing fancy looking about him. I mean, there was something fancy looking about him. The fact that he was that old and he wasn't sure, that was, that was pretty amazing. That was very amazing. And I looked at him and I was like, wow. He made it through. He made it through. He did it. And I was like, that's great. So, so dealing with your own yitzhahara is a huge topic. We actually, it's one of the ongoing themes in terms of these discussions that we have, and we talk about it in different levels all the time. So, um, so I don't want to go into it too much right now, but I, I, I will just maybe just give you just one 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 idea on it which is, and we've discussed it before, and I learned it from Rabbi Moshe Shapiro Shlita, who points out that it says in, in, in the Gemara, I think it's in Gemara Sukkah, that there are seven different names for the Yetzirah. And the most insidious, the most toxic name is Tsafon, which means hidden. And what that means is that the Yetzirah often manifests itself in your own mind By telling you, speaking in the first person. And basically, it's spiritual identity theft. It it pretends to be you. And you think that these are your thoughts. But they aren't your thoughts. They're coming from the Yetzirah. And then you think, since you think that they're your thoughts, then you make them your thoughts. And then you start acting on it as though they were your thoughts. And so it effortlessly guides you into this place... And you didn't even know that you were being guided at all. That's the scariest. That's the. That's the. That's the deepest form of the etzahar. And that's why it's very hard to catch, because, you know. But but so. Anyway. This is. So. And then let's just uh, kind of. Just for fairness sake, just give the other side of this, which is from the Kutzka Rebbe. Someone came up to him and said, you know, my Yetzar this and my Yetzar that. And the Kutzka Rebbe said, it's you. It's not your Yetzar. You know, so there's that side also, if you want to have the full balanced idea. We also have aspects of ourselves under the best circumstances that still need improvement. And, and these aspects of ourselves, forget about the Sahara for a moment. These aspects of just our own genuine selves need improvement. And sometimes we can blame it on the Sahara, but it's just the fact that, you know what, I'm being a little selfish. I'm being a little impatient. And it has nothing to do with the Sahara. It's the fact that I, am, I, I need more work. And, you know, that's just the honest truth. So, so you have to recognize both sides of it. Okay. So that's, that's the first thing. The second thing is, says Rabbi Lazar ben Arach, know before whom you toil, and the truth is, is that this is now getting to really what I want to discuss about a good heart. Okay, because this was kind of a maybe a bit of a surprising insight to me that this would be connected to a good heart, but but uh, but this is really the the, the 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 part that the reason why I brought this whole discussion up. Okay. And I'm going to lump together B and C together. So B is, know before whom you toil. Of course he means Hashem. And C, know that your employer, meaning God, can be relied upon to pay you the wage of your labor. Okay? So, so the reason why that really struck me, like if you had just told me that I would go, okay, I got it. But if you told me that that's actually the words to live by, by the one who said, the very one who said that you have to have a good heart. Then I say, well, wait a second. This is okay. This is now starting to get kind of deep for me, you know, because that means for me to have a good heart, I have to know that God is going to pay me back for everything that I'm doing, or he's going to pay me for everything that I'm doing. Now, maybe, as it says in Pirkei Avos, maybe all that's going to be in the next world. Okay? And and, and it also says in Pirkei before this teaching, that you're supposed to serve God not for the sake of a reward. Okay? In other words, this idea that um, I'm just doing this so I can get something back shouldn't be your guiding principle that... Really, you're supposed to culti- cultivate a love affair with God. Remember, as, as I always like to point out, the, the Rambam, who's our consummate rationalist, he's, our cons- he's like the straight, clear, non-mystical thinker. That's how he's usually presented. So he says that one has to walk around lovesick over God. <laughs> That's our consummate rationalist. says you have to be lovesick over God. Okay, so so that's, 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 you know, so when you're lovesick, you're not saying, oh, honey, I brought you these flowers, you know, where are my pancakes? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you check your watch, you know. You're not keeping score like that if it's a real love affair, you know. Um, having said all that, here comes Rav Elazar bin Arach, who you would think would be the one who says, if you, oh, a good heart. So what's a good heart? Oh, he's the one who should be saying this love affair thing because he's talking about the heart and a good heart. He's the one who should be saying that. What is he saying? He's saying something really interesting. Know how to answer a heretic. That means the one who puts doubts in your mind. And know, what's our biggest doubt? What's our biggest doubt? Is God watching? Does God care? Is any of the stuff that I'm doing meaningful to God? How come I have these needs that haven't been answered yet? I want this, and God hasn't given it to me yet. Is he paying attention? Does he care? What about these mitzvahs that I'm doing? All the stuff that I'm doing. Where's my payment for these things? This is okay. So, So it doesn't have to be The the search for reward and the search for spiritual cash and big olam big afterlife and all the rest doesn't have to be and shouldn't be your primary motivating factor, true. But you must know that you will be paid. You must know that you will be paid. And that is essential for having a good heart. Because I think that is, in very large part, the source of all doubt that people experience. Where is my payment? I believe in your Torah, God. And I'll do it even without the payment. I'll do it without the payment. But you yourself say in pasuk after pasuk, and verse after verse, if you keep my mitzvahs, then I'm going to give you these blessings. You could have left that out of the Torah, God, and I would have done all this anyway, just for you. But you put it in the Torah, God. And so that's part of my belief in you because you put it in the Torah. And so, so Rabbi Lazar bin Rock says, you want to have a good heart? You have to know that it's real. You haven't seen it yet. It's okay you haven't seen it yet, it's okay. It's okay. Know, know that God is keeping track and is going to pay you for every single thing and it may not be in this world. It may not be. But every single thing that you do, you're going to receive a payment for and a reward for. And and that's part of answering the heretic inside of you. And it's part, it's a big part, seemingly, of, of, of getting through this life with a good heart. You know? Because, you know, if if anyone just thinks about how much you're doing over the course of a day or a week or a month or a year, I mean, we're zillionaires. We're, we're literally, you know, the Vilna Gon says... The mitzvah of Torah, of, of Talmud Torah, right? It's on every word that you learn. <laughs> it's every word, literally. He says this. This is the Vilna Gon, okay? Every single word that you learn, you get the mitzvah of Talmud Torah. Now, I would have thought maybe if I learned 10 minutes, i get 10 minutes worth. No. It's, it's, it, the reward is much greater than that. And they say that the reward for mitzvahs is so big, why don't we get it in this world? Well, there are different answers. One, one answer is that the reward literally is so big, it doesn't fit into this world. We're talking about, again, if you think of like quantum physics, we're talking about a different dimension. You're accessing a different dimension. It doesn't fit into this world. So, let me just wrap it up. And... Uh, and, you know, we, we talk about the, the middle path, like the Rambam talks about the middle path, right? And a person always has to be doing kind of maintenance on their own spirituality, maintenance on their own soul, right? Because, remember, Rip Shlomo says the, the, the hardest thing in the world is to keep your feet on the ground and your head in the clouds, right simultaneously that that's 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 the model that we're striving for we're not striving for to be the the person who's floating around i mean that might be interesting right but that's not the model that 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 Arabi puts forth anyway and what i think really is the the classic jewish model to be in this world within and beyond simultaneously simultaneously at the same moment that's who you want to be. your feet are planted firmly in the ground while your head is in the clouds and you're you're beyond this world, but you're you're aware of all of the precision of this world simultaneously and all of your responsibilities simultaneously and you're on top of things, but at the same time you're also beyond them at the same time. This takes constant maintenance, constant maintenance because if you can imagine the winds blow right it just now I'm a little ah. Huh? Now I'm a little wow. Well, I'm a little too like I can't get back up. Now I can't get back down. Like to just keep it straight. You know, I heard bless you. I heard that um, people offer this as a as a as a big example. I, I forgot who pointed this out from on the spiritual level, but I love it, especially since it's told as something that's a hundred percent true. You know, um, in terms of man-made monuments or, you know, man-made uh, achievements. Uh, one of the most beautiful in the world is the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. If you've seen it, it's beautiful. It's, it's just like, wow, it's, wow, it's beautiful. And what, apparently what, what they say is true is that they, 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 they finish painting it, and as soon as they paint it, they have to paint it again. Because it starts to rust, because you know it's over the water and the moisture and all the rest, and it's metal, whatever it is. So as soon as they finish painting it, they have to start painting it again, and it never stops, right? So if you think that's true for the Golden Gate Bridge, what about your own soul? How much maintenance does your own soul need? You know, so, 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 so the Rambam says that if someone goes too far in one direction, they should go to the opposite extreme in that particular area, and then they'll wind up in the middle somewhere. Okay? So that's that's his guide toward Midos maintenance. If you are too extreme in one area, go to the opposite extreme in that area, and then you'll level out in the middle. But again, consult consult people if you... Before you try this, because you know you don't want to go to the opposite extreme in something that you shouldn't. For instance, like like for instance, I I heard uh, my rabbi told me um, about someone who was a, a, a businessman and he was making a lot of money and giving a lot to tzedakah, and uh, he went to a rabbi and said, "I'm going to you know give it all up and just start learning," and the rabbi said, "No, you're, you're you're the tzedakah that you're giving is actually." more impactful right now than just kind of giving it all up and running there. You know? You can I'm sure increase your learning and everything like that, but but don't do that. So so this is what I'm saying. You you, you can't just kind of like come up with a plan like this and you know institute it, especially if it, it involves a big altering in terms of your approach. You have to discuss it with 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 with, with smart people, with 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 grounded, you know, with 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 authorities, okay? So, um, um, but th- but again, the point here is is this, that that if you have a good heart, if you have a good heart, you may have been thinking up until now, right? I have to do, I'm doing all of this without any thought of reward whatsoever. But Rabbi Lazar ben Arach is telling you something very interesting. He's saying. If, if you've actually erased that consciousness from your mind that you're going to get reward, then you've gone too far. Okay? And what I'm saying to you in the name of the Rambam is if you're in this place, dwell on the fact that everything you do, you're going to get paid for. Dwell on it. Think about it. Understand that. And then you can f- find your way back in the middle somewhere. Or you can even perhaps go to the place where you don't want reward again. Or whatever it is. But you have to know that you're going to get it. Because that's essential to having a good heart. And it's essential to answering the heretic inside of you. Okay, have a great week.